Scotland uh, Land of Food and Drink stand at the Food and Drink Expo at uh, NEC. We're going to do we're going to do a whole program on Scottish food because Scotland's the most beautiful place and it's it's got incredible incredible um, food producers there. So I'm I'm going to I've got a couple of guests here um, and we're going to talk about Scottish food in general and then we're going to have some lovely other guests on the show. So I'm joined by Lucy Husband, who's a director at Scotland Food and Drink, and by Kat Much, who's the marketing person at uh, Scotland Food and Drink. Um, Lucy, welcome. Um, are, you, are you born and bred in Scotland? I am born and bred in Scotland, yes. All my life. Whereabouts? Um, I live in Edinburgh now, so, but I'm from Perth originally. Beautiful. And are you, are you Kat, are you... Yeah, I'm the exact same, actually. Born and bred Perth and then live in Edinburgh too. <laughs> must be a bit of an exodus from Perth. I don't know what's going on there. Um, and now, you've got this job, Lucy, and I know you're, you're sort of, it's new to you, three or four months in. Um, Scotland really does have the most incredible uh, food, doesn't it, just naturally? It does. And in the last three months that I've spent going around meeting so many suppliers, it's just been amazing. I mean, I'm from Scotland. I love Scottish food and drink. And I've spent all my career in Scottish food and drink landscape, but just seeing the suppliers that we have, and especially the ones we have today, we've got some amazing producers, amazing products. A lot of people will say, you know, oh, Scotland, it's about Scotch whisky or it's about salmon. It isn't. The, the range here, I don't even think you've got any whisky um, people here, have you? There's a, a huge range. No, I mean, it, it, it covers everything from, you know, fish, fish, fish and whisky are things people think about, but we've got cheeses here, we've got oat cakes here, we've got cream we've got you know all sorts of different things it's just so many different opportunities for people and um, Scotland of course is, is also renowned for having you know a really good tourist industry do tourists actually increasingly come you know not just for Scottish whiskey but, but actually um, appreciating the food from Scotland do you think Yes, and there's a lot of talk about food trails. People come and they actually just follow around thinking about where can I go and eat something really unique to the area. That happens regularly. And there's more talk now about people come to Scotland and they want to be able to source something when they go home again. So we're trying really hard to develop opportunities. For instance, in London, people come from London to Scotland. They want to buy the Scottish product when they go home. That's an opportunity for us. And it's not just shortbread, is it? Definitely not. Now, Kat, you're, you're sort of the marketing uh, person for Scotland Food and Drink. What is it that you do um, for people who belong to your organisation? Because some of them are quite new producers and maybe, you know, might be, um, you, you know, not really understand how it all works, you know, to get into a supermarket or something, or not really very good at promoting themselves. Is the service that you have here to help them on that journey? Yeah, at Scotland Food and Drink we do quite a lot for our members to help them with things like that. We have supplier development programmes, meet the buyers, to help them get into both retail and food service. So we promote this all through, um, keeping me off there, smiling, I'm right. We promote this all through our newsletter, through social media, like just put the word out there that there's lots of opportunities out there for them to get involved with. 
Because you can be the most amazing producer, but but actually not necessarily know how to how to get yourself out there. And Scotland itself has got a good brand, you know, overarching brand, something Scottish. Um, but can you help them say with branding or with packaging or anything like that? Yeah, we help our members with branding, packaging. Uh, everything like that actually communications PR there's like a wide range of support available through um, how you could develop your product more how to innovate how to um, I don't know get it into market etc yeah it's all there so even if somebody's you know already developed their let's say they make cakes or something um, you'd still um, help them maybe refine that recipe or maybe refine that actual product so it's not just the outside that you're talking about it's actually how they develop their business yeah, exactly. We help a lot with reformulation and stuff. There's a really good program that we help called Make Innovation Happen. It's a one-stop shop for one-stop shop for all support available from right through from sourcing all the way through to your end product. It'll help you develop it, make it better, make it cheaper to produce, etc. And Lucy, um, you know, new businesses there is a horrendous um, failure rate, isn't there? I think I can't remember what the stats are for the UK, but something like. You know, after three years, you know, two thirds of, of, of companies have disappeared. Presumably, the whole point of Scotland uh, Food and Drink is, is to is to help those companies to survive and see them all the way through. Yeah, we are. We we, we set ourselves up as a, almost a, an umbrella organisation. So there's collaboration with lots of industry partners, and that's all about the things that Kat's talking about. You know, we pull on different areas of support, and it is about understanding what each individual business needs. They all need a little bit bespoke. So Yes, there's a whole host of membership benefits, but everyone will use something different. And it's about having our people out in the field working with these guys to make sure that they get the best um, from those benefits. So how many people do you have working in in the organisation? Like dozens and dozens? I think that we have about 25 people working for us at the moment. Wow, so that's good support. Now, of course, um, Scotland, in terms of geography, um, is, is, I mean, it's huge, isn't it? You've got all the islands, haven't you, you know, as well as, as, as the highlands. How, how do you manage to support all those people? Because <laughs> there's a huge range. Well, we join up with all the enterprise agencies. So we have business development managers and people within my team who cover the country, um, but they're just one person. So you use your network of other other support organisations. So we have Highlands and Islands Enterprise, for instance. We have Scottish Enterprise. You know, there's there's all the other people, and they have teams of people who are there purely for supplier development and supplier capability support. And is it expensive to be a member? And I guess you're supported by the government, aren't you, to, and subsidise it because it's, it's about generating business, it's about inward investment. Um, but presumably there is still a, a sort of membership fee despite the fact that you get this amazing support. There's a membership fee based on shape and size of the organisation and where they sit in the industry. So we have industry partners who potentially have a different um, schedule of membership fees from some small, small suppliers. But we're not talking about thousands of pounds, are we? Well, for some, there's a there's a fair um, uh, charge, but I always believe, and my thing has been about, we will make sure that we give them that back within their year. So whatever they pay us for a membership fee, we're going to give them that back. Now you heard that here. Lucy Husband has just made that statement. So if that doesn't happen, give her a ring. Um, uh, moving on, yes, <laughs> Lucy's not very happy about that. So so moving on, is there any particular ones today? You probably are going to be politically correct and, and not not say but are there any that are here today at the food and drink expo that you really like as producers you know doing something really imaginative and different I, I, everybody's doing something different and I'm I've spent my my day-to-day just chatting again to people and 
Um, we've just had a, another um, event recently where we had about 100 and 120 suppliers in the room and I spoke to every single one of them and every single business is very unique and they're all trying to do something amazing. So, you know, I'd hate to single anybody out because they're all fantastic. Good at politics is Lucy. Cat, come on, you, you know... You, you stick up for who? Is there anybody particular? I think I think your auntie actually is one of these producers. Have I got that right? As my colleague Ilona's auntie, but she does make cheese and it's very good cheese. <laughs> and, and Scottish cheese, any particular favourites that you have? Can you dare choose one? That's a really difficult question. Cheese is my top favourite food, so I don't... Oh, I couldn't even pick. There's so many. And I think the thing with cheese is, you know, you've got hard cheese, you've got soft cheese, you've got blue cheese. So it is actually uh, pretty difficult to... Uh, um, anyway, so they're, they're definitely not saying who, who's their favourite because they don't. It's like, it's like being a mother. You don't say you've got a favourite child. Um, but we're going to interview some, uh, some of our lovely producers, aren't we, today? So, so um, Summer Harvest, one of your... Again, another good uh, company? Yeah, Summer Harvest do a fantastic range of oils. I really would recommend anyone giving them a try. So, should we, uh, should we have a talk with Summer Harvest? Thank you, Lucy. So we've got Mark Bush in front of us. And Mark Bush uh, is, I think his company is 10 years old now, and it's Summer Harvest Oils. Uh, Welcome to the Food Talk Show, Mark. Um, You do a whole range of products, don't you? Yes, we do a range of uh, cold-pressed rapeseed oil products. Um, We use the oil from our farm, family farm based up in Perth in Scotland. And from that, we work with a uh, catering company who makes a range of dressings for us. So uh, um, flavoured with uh, raspberries, lemon, chilli, etc. And we also make a mayonnaise as well. And, and the farm, the rapeseed, um, is, is your rapeseed on your land in beautiful Scotland? That's correct. In, in beautiful rolling, uh, start the rolling hills in Persia, in the Strathairn Valley. It's a family farm. We've had the farm for over 130 years. And, uh, so it's a real family um, farm that's been handed down generation to generation? Exactly right, yes. Uh, I think um, about the third or fourth generation coming in. Fantastic. And, and rapeseed, um, I know there's quite a lot of rapeseed um, from where, where I live at the moment, which is in Kent. Has, has the sort of profile of the, the sort of taste slightly different in Scotland? You know, is there a bit of terroir going on or, or it's blooming windy and rains a lot up there, in my personal opinion. So, so does that alter the sort of taste profile, do you think? You ask a fantastic question. We've, we've talked about this when we first started putting the rapeseed all together. I believe there's a stronger uh, taste difference with the soil types. Now up in Scotland we've put together a rapeseed oil uh, collaboration group uh, to help with marketing and uh, research into rapeseed oil and we found it's the soil conditions will have a different taste. So yes, the, we thought it would take about 20 years for people you know, to gather tastes and, but chefs are already saying yes we'll use that variety for baking, we'll use that on our dressings. And, and what is that t- taste profile? So, so quite often rapeseed oil has got a little bit of a buttery taste, I think. Um, I love the colour. It's always a beautiful golden colour. And it's got a high, a sort of high sort of smoking point, hasn't it? Slightly different about the Scottish flavour. Our, our flavour, I think it's a more buttery. It's, it's, it's a little softer on the palate. One of the reasons being for that, we've mentioned the soil type has an effect on the taste. But also we have long, and don't laugh now, oldie face, we have lots of daylight. We can have up to 19 hours of daylight uh, when the oil's maturing in the seed, so it's less prone to spikes in temperature. Therefore, you get a softer uh, feel on the palate with the, with the oil. Now, you just said to me, don't laugh. Um, um, 
Is it because we always think of Scotland, you know, being near Iceland or something and somehow you only get two hours of daylight, you know, in, in the winter? I mean, that, that just isn't true, is it? No, it's not true. Um, I was going to say don't laugh just in case I said sunlight instead of daylight. <laughs> but yeah, we, we do have extreme uh, long uh, daylights. You know, it, it doesn't get dark on our farm to about 11 at the peak and it's light again then at three in the morning. Not light light, but no. So we, we do have a long, lot of daylight. So, so that means then that, that when the, you know when the rapeseed is is you know uh, ready to harvest, actually that's right at the peak point where it's getting maximum daylight, um, and so so that would actually affect the taste, wouldn't it? It it does affect the taste. Yes, um, as I say, because it's maturing slower, you know, you're not getting spikes in temperatures. And one thing, you know, we don't get 28 degrees up there as well, so it makes it a lot smoother. Yeah. And, and also, um, presumably, then, if you're not getting spikes in temperature, you know that the sort of daylight uh, temperature is is not that different from the evening temperature. So you're getting really steady conditions. Exactly right. Yeah. It's, uh, well, I'm going to have to come on your stand and have a taste of this in a minute. Uh, in a minute, Mark. Um, I know you do other things though as well, don't you? So you've got some mayonnaises and things like that. Yep. Yeah, um, we expanded our range uh, to start with back in uh, 2012. Um, we started working with an ex-chef from Glen Eagles, uh, Andy Hamer. He had his own catering business, so we started making a range of salad dressings with himself. You, you mentioned that uh, the rapeseed has a very high burn point, so our, we can use them as, um, as a salad dressing, but we can also use them as a marinade we can put them into. So I'm um, working with the rapeseed all group at the moment, putting some recipes together where we're using them in barbecue recipes fantastic and of course there's health benefits with rapeseed oil isn't there so it's just as you know healthy in terms of that profile as as virgin uh, extra virgin olive oil yeah um well the saturated fat level is around six percent and again i I keep going back to the group because we we can get a lot of information we we did a study um with uh, one of the universities and they found that uh the omega three and six was a better you know it's got to be the correct balance it's not good having lots of omega three it's got to be Omega six balance, and the Scottish one had a better profile. And again, it's got vit- naturally occurring vitamin E as well. Well, there you go. So that's summer harvest oils. If you're a chef, or you're, you know, a deli, or any of that, you know, in food service, uh, where can people go to um, to, to get your um, cold pressed rapeseed oil? Well, we work through a, a range of distributors: um, the Crest Company, uh, Bid Food, um, Brayhead Foods. Um, just drop us a line and we can um, find who the yard distributor is and see whether we can tie up and get the best route to market for you. So if you're in Scotland, but there again, if you're in the rest of the UK, but definitely if you're in Scotland, you should be using Scottish rapeseed oil, shouldn't you? Really, you should be patriotic. Um, and we will have details on our Food Talk website. So that's foodtalk.co.uk. And that's Summer Harvest Oils. Thank you very much, Mark Bush. <laughs> So, as you know, uh, we're with Scotland Food and Drink, and I've been chatting to Lucy, Husband and Kate Much, who are both from Perth and living in Edinburgh. Thank goodness I've got Jane Stewart with me because she's not from Perth. Uh, She is from Fife, and she's a farmer in Fife, uh, making artisan cheese from her own homebred cows. Have you done this all your life? No, absolutely not. I am a total amateur, uh, learning as I go. We've been doing it for 10 years, though, to be fair. This is our 10th anniversary this year of making cheese on the farm using the milk from our own cows. I think you're being incredibly modest because you're not a total amateur if you've been doing this for 10 years, surely. 
Well, I think in the cheese world, you're always learning and you can never say you're a real expert because cheese changes and, and develops and uh, reflects the seasons and you have to go with that. So you're in this beautiful farm in Fife. You've got your own cows. Um, so you've, got, you've bought me very kindly, because at the end of the day, I could do some cheese now, frankly. Um, uh, you've bought me three cheeses. Um, I've got a, um, something called Anster, uh, and that's a, a farmhouse cheese, artisan cheese. And you've got a taste award. Yes, indeed. Uh, Enster is the cheese that we started off with, and it's a crumbly Cheshire style. Uh, started in that way because I was taught to make that type of cheese when I first started off, and so that was the cheese that we, that we began with. And Enster is the local name for Anstruther, which is a little fishing village below St Andrews, and our farm is situated between St Andrews and Anstruther, so that's where the name comes from. It's, well, I'm going to eat this, so can you talk for a minute, but it sounds like it's the most beautiful place to be. It is. We're very, very lucky. Our cows have probably got the best view in the whole country when it comes to grazing because the pastures overlook the Firth of Forth. And uh, so it's, it's a wonderful view and a wonderful area of the country to be in. And let's face it, happy cows make happy cheese. Absolutely. And happy cheesemakers and hopefully happy customers if you're tasting it now. So I've just tasted that. Um, it is very strong. It's quite complex. So the aftertaste is long, which is good. Um, and uh, yeah, nice and crumbly. Yes, it is it's a crumbly, tangy cheese. It's actually quite a young cheese, only aged for two months, but it's got a good complexity of flavour and aroma. And that is all a reflection of the cow diet, the area that we come from, um, and the methods that we use when we make the cheese. We're the- a nice bit of tang, I'm getting. Absolutely. Um, we are the only Scottish cheesemakers who use heritage cultures and, uh, and it's raw milk straight from the cow as well. And I think these things do contribute to, to the complexity of the final cheese. And that all sort of makes a difference, doesn't it? Because it's the tiny things that, that, that all collect to make things amazing. Yes, absolutely, because people, after all, a cheese can look good, um, but it's all about the taste at the end of the day, isn't it? Yes. So I've got another sort of farmhouse cheese here. Now, this is your St Andrew's farmhouse. Again, do you mind just talking while I have a little taste? St Andrew's is totally different. It is a cheddar style, and it's our most recent produced cheese. This one that you're tasting here is very bold. We've aged it for 16 months. (laughs) You say very bold. My God, that is really strong. It's fantastic. Thank you. Well, we do find that customers like something mature, and uh, I like to think that a bit of maturity is good. Wow, I've still got it going on in my mouth, and I've just swallowed it ages ago. Wow, that's really good. Thank you. Well, it's very popular. It's actually an equal seller with the Enster, but it's a totally different type of cheese, though, and so it's, we're trying to cater for a different, a different palate here. Mm, that is really good. So, so if you've got some great bread and, and, and that cheese, maybe some pickle or something just to try and <laughs> alleviate the strongness. Oh, God, it's absolutely lovely. So, so where can I get that from? Well, we do um, have it available throughout Scotland uh, at lots of delis and uh, hotels and restaurants and farm shops and, and various businesses. And we're also about to have it in the Scottish Waitrose stores. So um, that would be somewhere to look for it uh, in the coming weeks. How exciting. So if you're going into Waitrose and you're in Scotland, you have to, if they haven't got St Andrew's Farmhouse, you need to go and look at the store manager and ask him why he hasn't, because it is really good, strong cheddar. And, you know, and, and it's Scottish, so you should, you know, should be buying it. Um, we've got another one in the middle, which is a red anster. Is that, is that very different? 
Well, in the early days when we just made Enster, and it takes a lot of, of care and attention to make a cheese and, and a lot of time to get it right. And I would go to the markets and lovingly present my Enster cheese, which was the only one we had. And everybody said, so is this all you make? What else do you make? Uh, which is quite demoralizing in the early days. And we realized quickly that people were looking for other things as well. They wanted a range, they wanted something else. So we developed this fairly quickly to, to satisfy that immediate question that we were asked. So it's the same basic recipe as Enster, it's a crumbly. It's got red color in it, annatto, which is a natural color that comes from a seed. And it has fresh chives and fresh garlic, not dried herbs, fresh herbs. And that gives it a real savory finish. Well, you can really taste the chives in that. Not too much garlic, just right. Um, but it's got a, it's not just, um, as you say, it's, it's, it's not just added flavour, it's part of it. And it sort of makes it slightly marmite savoury, doesn't it? Yes, indeed. I think it's, I always think of it as a, a barbecue cheese. Lovely, maybe, in the summer with the barbecued meats and, and the lovely uh, savoury cheese. Best for cheese on toast, that one. Absolutely. Any cheese is good for cheese and toast, but something that's got a nice, full, savoury flavour is particularly good. No, that is that is cheese on toast cheese that is so that's the red and stuff and do you do any others or is this this you sort of you do the hard sort of cheese you don't do goat's cheese or blue cheese no we we milk cows so it's all about uh, adding value to the milk from our own cows uh, and we've, we've traditionally been dairy farmers for generations so um, it's all about doing something else with that milk which is a real pleasure for us to to be able to offer something direct to the customer that's been handcrafted on the farm but what I would say is that increasingly in Scotland, we do have a lovely range of Scottish cheeses. Um, there's, there's everything you could want out there on the Scottish cheese board. So I would urge people to go and try the Scottish cheese uh, because there's everything from a blue for our hard cheeses here. There's, there's, there's brie styles, there's rind washes. There's a lovely, lovely variety in Scotland. And there's a new innovative um, group of cheesemakers in the last sort of 10 to 15 years started up in Scotland and we're between us producing a lovely range. And, and to be fair, if you are a Scottish hotel or a Scottish restaurant, you really should have a Scottish cheese board. Um, there's no excuse not to now, is there, given, given what you're saying? Well, that's absolutely right. But I also think when you come south of the border, you should also have Scottish cheese. And there is definitely a gap in the market here. And people down south of the border need to realise what a lovely range Scotland can offer. I think I've just slightly got told off there. That's what it feels like. Um, <laughs> um, I really like the cheese. Um, thank you so much, Jane Stewart. So that's St Andrew's Farmhouse Cheese. And uh, well done, Waitrose. It should be in um, Scotland's Waitrose. Uh, you should try some. And if you want to find out more about it, it's standrewscheese.co.uk. And we'll have loads of details on our website. Um, thanks again for letting me taste that, Jane. Thank you very much for talking to me. It's been a pleasure. So I've just uh, finished off my cheese and now I'm, I'm going to go on to salmon and of course um, Scotland's famous for its incredible salmon and I'm joined by Kirsty George of Luss Smokehouse. Now I believe that Luss Smokehouse is nestled right on the banks of Loch Lomond which of course is in the cons- conservation village of Luss, um, Argyll and Butte um, and opened for business in late 2015 employing local people and of course the art of smoking fish is actually incredibly difficult. It's not an easy thing to do, is it? No, it's a bit of a black art, which people don't really realise, to be honest. Um, you know, the fish that comes into the smokehouse can be totally different depending on the weather, depending on the season. So we make decisions on how we're smoking the fish, how long we smoke it for, how long we cure it on, 
based on the fish that comes into us. Everything is judged as it comes in. There's no set recipe, there's no set time, there's no set curing method. It's completely made up on the day, to be honest. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, now, when you go into supermarkets and you see smoked salmon, some of that stuff just been injected with smoke. It's not actually been smoked. Um, and, and then some of it is like industrial smoked. Oh, I am so pleased to hear that actually what you're doing is essentially you're, you're still doing things by eye, you're still feeling things, um, and then you're making those judgments on the day because, because it can be different every day. Yeah, we definitely have to like make the decision based on the fish that comes in. You know, there are a lot of smokehouses that will, you know, have a program and they put the fish in and it comes out and it's the same every time. But the fish that we're buying is Scottish, it's locally sourced, and we're judging the fish as it comes in and we're deciding how best to smoke it. So, just explain to me exactly how you smoke the fish. So, you get a salmon, which some of them can be quite big. Let's face it. Um, I presume you fillet it first, and then 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 what happens? Yeah, so we buy filleted fish um, into the smokehouse. We don't buy the full fish, so we're buying them essentially with the head off and the tail off. They come in as a fillet without any bones or anything. Um, we bring them in and we cure them. Um, the cure, again, is very dependent on the fish. Um, you know, some things we can cure for 12 hours, th- anything up to about 16 hours. Um, after the curing process, we smoke our fish. And again, it can depend on the way that the wind is blowing on that day, but we can be smoking anything from between 8 to 12 hours. And is that weather dependent too? Um, is the wind more than anything, the way that the smoke is pulled through the chimney? Um, we smoke over beach as well, which is quite a distinctive um, point of difference for us. Most smokehouses will smoke over oak too, so the beach smoke that we smoke over is quite sweet um, and it's quite um, sort of, not, I don't know the word, but for the area it's very sort of local in uh, Lus. That's why we chose to use beach um, and we don't use any sugar in the cure either, which gives us a, you know, quite a point of difference in comparison to quite a lot of smoked fish. So you have very kindly uh, bought me some sort of smoked fish here. Um, so this is just, it's, it's just smoked salmon. Is it, is it a particular cure that you've done? This is our smoked trout. Um, smoked trout. Sorry, Kirsty. Our smoked trout is our best product by far, I think. Smoked trout, for me, has had a bit of a renaissance. Um, it's getting very fashionable at the moment. People are looking for something a bit different to salmon. They're a bit sick of you know, smoked salmon. There's a lot of it, so smoked trout is definitely something different. Um, we cure it for a bit longer. We smoke it for a bit longer. It's a very lean fish, and it's beautiful. And what is exactly the difference between um, a, a trout and, and salmon? Because I, I always think trout's got a slightly earthier taste to it. In terms of the texture of the meat, it's definitely more meaty. Um, it's got a creamier feel and it's got a bit more of a bite to it. Um, I find that the, the trout is higher in protein, it's lower in fat as well, and um, it's got such a nice mouthfeel. And presentationally as well, the trout is a very beautiful orange colour where the salmon tends to be more of a lighter pink colour. So it's the, the, that mouthfeel is incredible, let alone the taste. And I've still got a lingering taste, so, so it's obviously very good. It's, it's, it's complex. Um, the mouthfeel is lovely. Is it's very creamy compared to compared to the salmon anyway, and people are always very surprised when they try trout. You know, trout's got a bit of a trout pout reputation, maybe a bit old-fashioned, but now for me, trout is far superior to salmon, and that's what I'm working on selling a lot of these days. And uh, well, you've you've absolutely swung me. I'm never having smoked salmon again after uh, eating that, and it's got a bit more texture to it, so it's, it's got a little bit more bite to it, I think. Definitely, and I, as. I'm speaking to customers, they definitely think it's a bit more meaty and those who are maybe not into salmon and think it's maybe a bit rubbery or maybe a bit, you know, got a jelly-like texture are always converted to trout because it's got that meatier texture. So if you like the, the, the sort of taste profile of smoked salmon but actually, you know, you're not so keen on the texture, definitely try smoked trout, I think we're saying. 
I would say so. And for any like smoked salmon fan, anyone that's really into their smoked salmon, I dare you to try trout because you'll be totally converted over to trout over salmon. So uh, Kirsty George dares you to try smoked trout. That's absolutely gorgeous. Now, you bought some other stuff for me to have as if I haven't eaten enough all day. Yes, I've got my smoked salmon patty, which we make using the trimmings um, of our smoked salmon. We mix that with uh, cream cheese, uh, lemon and pepper. And it's really, really creamy. It's really, really smoky. Um, And a lot of people will buy the smoked salmon to accompany a pack of trout or a pack of salmon. Now, you see, I absolutely love that. But I like... um, Wow, <laughs> that's quite tart actually. Um, but I love that sort of very smoky taste. Um, and that is gorgeous. That is like essence of smoked salmon for me. Um, uh, but it has got quite a high profile of smokiness, um, which for me is brilliant. Definitely. It's, we use the smokiest part of the fish to actually make the smoked salmon patty. We use what's called the pellicle, which is the crust that forms on top of the salmon as you smoke it. So that's actually, it's not amazing to eat. If you just took it off the salmon and ate it, it's quite chuck that's quite a Scottish word but it's quite tough um, so we put it into our patty we blend it down and it gives it a really nice smoky flavour That is, and it's a natural smoky flavour that is gorgeous so if you haven't had smoked trout before you need to eat smoked trout and try it um, Kirsty, where do we go to find out more about your products? We can visit our website and we've got lots of information about the smokehouse and what we get up to at the smokehouse we've just also opened a shop as well on site in Loch Lomond um, where everyone pops into to pick up their smoked salmon we do smoked salmon bagels and fresh food every day um, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter just search Lust Smokehouse So that's Lust L-U-S-S Smokehouse and of course if you are on the banks of the most beautiful Loch Lomond why would you not pop into Lust Smokehouse and um, ask for uh, see if Kirsty's there I would say <laughs> thank you for joining me No problem, thank you so much. So I've eaten um, um, Scottish cheese. I've had the most beautiful smoked trout from Scotland. Um, And now I'm with Steph and Claire. And they're uh, they're from Lindor's Abbey Distillery. Um, um, Hi, Steph. Hello, Sue. So I'm I'm very excited because I'm at your stand and it's like a bar. And I believe your partner in crime, who's Claire, you've conned her into into, um, making me a cocktail, is that correct? Yes, she's going to make a cocktail with her aquavitae and ginger beer as one of her recommended serves. So we've got got, uh, Lindor's um, spirits here. Can can you just tell me, what's the difference between aquavitae and, and say, a gin or something like that? What actually is that? So what aquavitae is, it's a new make spirit mixed with herbs and spices. So it's nothing like a gin. It is completely different. We're sticking with our roots um, from 500 years ago. We're from an old monastery. Uh, we're the first written reference to Scotch whisky in 1494. Wow, you're joking. That's amazing. <laughs> so it, is. it is. It's a great place. And we just opened last year. So after 500 years of... Not doing something, you're now doing it. So a 500-year break, and then all of a sudden you guys, you, you guys have come back in there. So you've got natural ingredients, and, and they're sort of carefully combined. Um, and um, this aquavitae is, is, is a thing of its own. It, it's, not, it's not a whiskey, it's not a gin, it's a thing on its own. No, it's, it's literally a product that's not out there. It's exclusive to the market. It's something different, and I think we've definitely got something on the... I'm so excited to try this. I'm so excited to try this. So where are you actually based in Scotland? So we are based in a little town called Newborough in Fife. Um, so it's quite... It's get, getting us on the map now. Yeah, good, getting you on the map. So presumably this is an actual place, Lindor's Abbey. Yeah, Lindor's Abbey. So there is ruins still there at our 
at our well, at our monastery, at our yeah. distillery. Yeah. So you can visit them as well. We've got a massive visitor centre. We do events, like we do everything, drinks. Wow, so you've got a massive visitor Right, so um, we've got a visitor centre. It's called Lindor's Abbey and Lindor's Abbey Distillery. If you just Google that, um, it's lindorsabbeydistillery.com. You'll find it. Um, Claire, um, you, ha- are, you, are, you a, are you a sort of cocktail expert or have you just learnt um, uh, now you've got this job at Lindor's? Uh, I've done a bit of bar work in the past and then it's just picking up what works with the spirit itself and then offering a variety of serves. Because it's a whis- almost a whiskey, um, women tend to, to screw their faces up when they, they see it. So it's to make it a flexible drink that appeals to everybody with a variety of um, sort of their taste buds and their palates. So it's just opening up to a wider market and because it is so new and unique, it's to make it available for everybody. So... I'm not screwing my face up, Claire. I'm not screwing my face up. Do you think I could just try um, try it neat, just to try and get a feel for it? I promise you, this is this is for research purposes. Yeah, of course. So there's a, a small measure there um, for you. Um, it is quite light. It's a nice uh, sort of. Uh, oh wow! I'm trying to think what the taste profile is. So um, we say that it's uh, spiced aromas of uh, ginger. I can get to, I can get a bit of ginger. Yeah. I, I, do you know this sounds really bizarre? It tastes slightly banana-ish. Yeah, it's uh, it shouldn't be too tropical, um, but it should it's a little bit tropical. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, you're looking for star anise, uh, cloves, herbs, a bit of lemon verbena, and um, some dried orange peel in there as well. I can get the dried orange peel, yeah, and some lovely herbs in there. Yeah. Now, it's interesting you say that it that isn't sort of a gin and it isn't, a, you know, whiskey. It's a thing of its own. It, it does feel like it's a, a thing of its own. I had somebody uh, making rum on the uh, Food Talk programme a few weeks ago, and that's got a very distinct flavour profile. This, this is, do you know the thing that I think it's nearest? I think it's nearest to um, sake for me. I've never had that, no, but I definitely think uh, we see it as like an introduction to whiskey. Uh, so if you're not a whiskey fan, you can train your palate almost to really appreciate the flavours of whiskey from... from I, am a, I am a whiskey fan. <laughs> so, um, Claire, I'm just going to have a, a slurp of this. You're going to have to talk for a minute. What, what, have you, what have you dished me up here? Okay, so we've got a measure of the Aquavitae. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm coughing, not because the drink's awful, but because it's very, very... Wow, um, it's because it's got Fentimans in it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit sparkly. Sorry about that. Do carry on. No, that's fine. So you've got a measure of the Aquavitae in there, some fresh uh, squeezed lime and topped up with Fentimans ginger beer, which just enhances the natural herbs and spices that are in the the Aquavitae. And then it's served as a, a long, refreshing drink, which is probably nice for a sunny day. This is lovely, isn't it? So uh, actually, it does enhance the ginger. I thought that might, you know, wipe it out. But actually, it's it's got a really nice taste profile. I'd say that's better than a Pim's. I agree. I'm, I'm not a whiskey drink. Well, I wasn't a whiskey drinker until I started. In the Trust me, once you get over 40, you start being one. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> oh, I, I'm there already. I am there already. So, yeah, it's just a, it's a nice, easygoing drink. It's flexible with the... The measures and the pours that we can offer as well with the cocktails or it works really well as an old-fashioned as well just with a, a twist of lemon peel well there you go and, and um, I've never had I don't think Aquavitae before because it is a, a thing all on its own it's in a beautiful bottle I'd, I'd say almost death but actually this looks like it's medicine so and that's what that's what those um, old-fashioned abbeys used to be didn't they they produced this stuff that was supposedly good for you 
So our bottle is actually based from medicinal purposes. Ah. Uh, with the monks, we actually have an apothecary. Uh, we do lots of mixology and herbs and spices in our distillery as well. So we based the bottle off a medicinal bottle to go along with like the monastery, keeping everything everything in theme. So yes, it really does look like a medicine bottle. And as I said, Lindor's Abbey, if you, um, if you Google that, I'm sure you'll find it, Lindor's Abbey Distillery. Not only some great drinks, but a great day out, it sounds like. So, um, Steph, thank you so much. No problem, Sue. Nice to meet you. And uh, Claire, good cocktail. I'm going to drink the rest in a minute. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you very much. So I'm having quite a good time on the Scottish stand. Um, a good old cat is, is just wheeling me round, basically. So I've had my cocktails. Um, I've had my salmon and my cheese. Um, and now I'm with Sandy Gray. And Sandy, of course, has got some oat cakes for me, um, as you do. That's another Scottish uh, well-known sort of product, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oat cakes have been a very stable diet throughout the years. Uh, you know, it was one of these things we were working on the farm um, and back well before my time. Uh, you take you take your couple of bits of oat cakes and a slice of cheese, and that's what you'd have when the horse was stopped. You know, it's and it was uh, oats were always a main crop that was grown back in years gone by, and it was a byproduct that they had. Um, you know, the breakfast in the morning with their porridge in the drawer. They'd make the porridge, stick it in the drawer, and cut it up for a slice, and then oat cakes as well. So yeah, fantastic with cheese um, because of the texture, I think, and and it's got that slight. Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's the texture for me, which with some of the cheese I've had today um, is, is just a great end to a meal, isn't it? It's a lovely Scottish end to a meal. Oh yeah, the, the oat cakes are. Well. These ones are a handmade oat cake. They're made with a coarse oatmeal, and um, they're really good. Made, uh, you know, just the way they're rolled out, everything's hand kneaded, uh, and they roll them out and hand cut them and everything as well. So it's the texture. Um, it just, with, like you say, with the cheese, it just gives that different, different. Uh, taste and the oatmeal itself the way it's been dried a uh, majority of oatmeal is uh, dried um, uh, horiz- uh, vertically vert- sorry, vertically and this one's dried horizontally so it gives it a more of a nuttier flavour when it comes across and it's, it's, it's just what makes them stand out every, every, every It's got a great nutty taste but what I really like about it is, is that texture that you get with oatmeal you know, that sort of crumbly texture yeah. I can't think of anything worse I'm really sorry about this anybody listening but I can't think of anything worse than a Jacob's cream cracker to go with some cheese I mean, it dries your mouth out and it doesn't just really taste of anything other than cardboard um, whereas this has got it's just got some real depth yeah, no, it's, it's the flavour, you know, even when I'm out delivering in the van as well, I can eat a whole pack of these and, you know, they're just, yeah, quite easily. Um, and it's uh, it's just that there's, there's so much, there's moisture in there as well that it, it, uh, you're not left with a dry mouth afterwards. And you've got that, such a Moorish flavour that you're just constantly, I'll have one, that'll do it, then you, before you know it, you're back for another one and then another one. Um, it also, also feels like it's good for you. It, it feels, it feels, you know, like it's good for you and homely and, and uh, you know, lovely, earthy. Well, that's it. Yeah, the oats is, you know, they've got the good fats in them with the oats. That you know, it's like I have porridge every morning, as does my the youngest, Fergus. He'll he'll stand by it from the age of uh, two when he or one and a half. I think it was. He's eating, he's eating porridge, so I've always had oats in my diet. It just makes me feel makes it makes me feel good in the morning. I love that. He's got a son who's Fergus and he's Scottish and he's got oatmeal. I mean, you couldn't get more Scottish than that, which is what we're about here, celebrating um, the best uh, food and drink from Scotland. Um, so where are you actually based, um, Sandy? Because I know you've got some other products which we're going to talk about in, the, in, in a moment. Just describe to me the beautiful part of Scotland you're in. We're actually on the, on the east coast of Scotland. We're about five miles just from Arbroath, uh, where the smoky comes from. So we, we're just five miles inland, and ro- the rolling hills in there, a lovely part of the area. You know, I can stand and 
the my uncle's farm and look straight across and into the into the sea. Beautiful, especially when it's sundown. Even it looks okay even when it's raining, which is nine times out of ten. <laughs> Well, there you go. That's why it's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, so you've also uh, you've got a brand here of your own. Now your name is Sandy Gray, but I've got some jam and marmalade here. That's Sarah Gray. What's the story behind that? Well, Sarah is actually my wife. Um, so we. Uh, Hi, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, she. Um, um, we decided we were trying to think of a name, and we thought, well, what's going to sell better than a woman's name? So that's why we went along with uh, with Sarah, Gray. and it had a nice nice um, touch to it, and it gives that kind of homely. Lady feel or not lady feel that women's like homely maids. So. You're in real trouble there. I just stop. I just stop immediately. I'd stop immediately. So um, it's got Sarah Gray on there, and and um, uh, so does she? Is she actually making it? You make a little bit yourself, or do you just interfere? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I would say that I like to help, but my wife would probably say interfere, uh, as she says it's her name on the jar. <laughs> So Sarah Gray, made by me. Um, you've just um, done me a little bit of uh, raspberry jam. And, and uh, where does all the fruit come from? The fruit comes within a five to ten mile radius from us in the in Angus area. All my cousins actually grow uh, like the strawberries and raspberries, so we get them at prime season um, so we can get them bursting with flavour and freeze them straight away so that it locks in that flavour for, for the rest of the year. Wow, that raspberry is delicious. And it's not, it's not sweet. It's just It's got that lovely natural fruit sweetness if you, if, you, if you like that sort of you know acidic um, note to it um, really delicious that for me is a really grown up jam yeah well I, I've I've always um, since I was knee high to grasshopper raspberry jam is my stable diet all the way through and <laughs> And uh, it's just uh, it's made me into the man that I am today. <laughs> but no, it's it's a real good flavour. We don't put you know any flavourings in there. Basically, that's the berries that come through. It's the type of berry you get the nice tanginess that comes through on there as well. And it's just basically raspberries, sugar. There's a bit of pectin there to hold it together, and that's it. And it's the same with all the other parts of our uh, range that we do. We try and have as little ingredients as possible, but they have fantastic flavours. So, um, where can we get Sarah Gray's jam? Well, we do a deal through a wholesaler. Uh, the Crest Company is a majority, a majority of my business go through there. They, they distribute uh, all over the UK. Um, and then also, we can come direct to us as well um, if they're looking to see or come down to stand G120 and you can have a good chat with me. <laughs> Okay, well, this is going to go out in four weeks' time, so we're not going to do that. Um, 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 but basically, th- this is really showcasing um, uh, showcasing Scottish uh, uh, produce, um, and and those raspberries, are, you know, they're just grown near to where that you, near to where you're making it um, from from all your family and friends, and and that really comes out in the flavour, I think. Oh yeah, definitely. It's the the further north you come, Scotland's always been pronounced for its raspberry growing because the, 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 the atmosphere was cooler, that they didn't get so much disease and the flavour was just always so much better. I know that the, the, the developing, as they did with the, ras- the strawberries, they're now developing raspberries to get more of a, a juicier flavour, but I still prefer the older style because it, it gets the nice, you know, most, I always like to see lots of seeds and the nice tanginess about them. So that's Sarah Gray. Um, if you're interested in uh, raspberry jam, you're up in Scotland, you need to get some of that. It's also mojito marmalade and some chilli jam as well. So, so that's all good stuff. Um, Kat, we've been going around these amazing um, suppliers here. Um, Scotland really has got incredible food and drink, isn't it? And um, people should be going up there, not just for the beautiful scenery, but, but actually on some of the food trails that they've got. 
Definitely, I'd encourage anybody to come up to Scotland, try one of the food trails, one of the drinks trails. There's whiskey, there's ales, there's a cheese trail, there's oat cakes all over the country. You should come up and try them. Let alone all the fish and, and, and all the other things. Definitely, so much produce up here. And uh, uh, as we keep saying, beautiful scenery, but you'll get a very warm welcome from anybody Scottish because um, the passion here that I've found is, is that people want you to know that Scotland produces great food. Oh, 100%. Anywhere you go in the world, you ask people what they think of Scottish folk. They'll always say warm and friendly. Everybody will come up here and you'll be their best friend instantly. So there you go. That's our uh, food talk special on Scottish food. I really do urge you to, to have a look at some of the, you know, some of the produce that Scotland has to offer. And um, if you want to find out more about um, Scottish food, if you go to Scotland Food and Drink, and we will put a uh, link on our website, you'll get access to all the incredible um, producers on there. So um, thank you very much, Kat. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you, Sandy. I feel very healthy now. I've had my oat cake. So thank you for joining me. Thank you very much.